The Guardian. This is Guardian Election Daily. Hello again, and this is Mike White with the Guardian's Daily Election Podcast. Uh, Today I'm talking to you from, very exciting for me, underneath the enormous tower at Canary Wharf, between the two of them. Uh, We've just come along the tube with a lot of bank workers, and what are we doing here? Well, this is an extraordinary constituency. It's now called Poplar and Limehouse. It's been redrawn. Uh, You would expect it to be a solid Labour seat in the east end of London, despite Canary Wharf, most of whose occupants uh, are uh, commuters, of course, but no. Uh, George Galloway has moved here from neighbouring Bethnal Green and Bow. Uh, He's fighting it on behalf of respect, a lot of support in the Bangladeshi community, which are up to 35-40% of the vote here. Uh, Then there's the traditional, what you might call the white working class. They're normally Labour, but they're hacked off about all the usual things that a lot of Labour voters are. And uh, both George Galloway and Jim Fitzpatrick, who must be regarded as the sitting Labour MP, junior minister, they both say... Galloway can't win, Fitzpatrick can't win, I can, but if we're not careful, we'll let in the Tory. Let in the Tory in the East End of London, Uh, yes, because there are about 20% of the voters do live in the Isle of Dogs and are what we used to call yuppies and uh, work in places like this enormous tower above my head. Excuse me, Hurry, we're quickly asking people if they live in Poplar, whether they have votes and if they're going to cast them. Um, I live in Poplar. Oh. And I will be voting, yes. Now, who are you going to vote for? Um, I've made my mind up, actually. Well, do you know the lineup roughly? It's an do, interesting yeah. scene. Uh-huh. George Galloway, local um, Labour man Jim Fitzpatrick, and the Tory man, uh, Mr Archer, uh, who everybody says works very hard, used to be a banker. It'd probably be uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, to be honest. Probably for Jim Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Because, you see, I thought working... Do you work in Canary Wharf? Yes, yeah. Yep, OK. Because both Respect and Labour say... The Tories working very hard. If we split each other's votes, the Tories will get in a Tory MP for popular. Yes. Not going to happen? I don't think so, no. no. OK. Right, thank you. All right, well, We've just come off the Docklands Light Railway, the figures for which are staggering. Over to Jim Fitzpatrick. Michael, in 1987, the Docklands Light Railway was carrying about 20 million passengers a year. Now it's carrying 60 million passengers a year, and it's still growing. It's moved into uh, north uh, into Woolwich uh, via City Airport. It's gone into Lewisham. Uh, there have been upgrades on different aspects of the line, and this year it's gone to three-car operation, so it's a hugely successful operation. Now, we've been walking from the, uh, from the, the tube we're in Chris Street Market. People have been coming up and shaking your hands. Tell us about Chris Street Market very quickly. Well, the market's been here for generations. Um, it's seen better times, but it seems to be bouncing back. There's a lot of regeneration which is taking place. When we took over in 97, we inherited 2 million homes below the decency threshold, tens of thousands of which were entire hamlets. Many thousands have been refurbished. We've knocked down some of the worst. We've built new homes. Uh, so the area is changing, and hopefully Chris Street will get a bounce out of that as well. That noise above our heads shows you the traffic is back at City Airport. The aircraft are back after the volcano incident. Another big incident. success story for the East End. City Airport. City Airport is City Airport. Um, was sold by Molems to Dermot Desmond for £20 million pounds, and he sold it to the Spaniards for £750 million, and it's now got 2.5 million passengers a year. It's a very successful airport, which, again, local people can take advantage of because the business people have got it Monday to Friday, and we've got it for weekends. Louise has been with me right from the start. I actually inherited Louise from Mildred Gordon. Enjoy. You've been with us, what, now five years? 
There we go. Oh, Brian, man. we've got a bit of Jim Fitzpatrick's literature here. It's an amazing eight sides of A4, so it's about two feet long when you open it up, and uh, it's got a very large picture of him in it, and all his achievements, and playing with children, and helping clear the River Thames, and heaven knows else. What's the purpose of this one? Oh, playing table football in a pub as well. The, um, the, the purpose, Michael, is to demonstrate um, what's been achieved locally with the community. Um, there's a big picture of my uh, action team, all 24 of our local government candidates here in the Poplar and Limehouse side of Tower Hamlets uh, borough. Um, and then, as you say, there Very are... Very diverse-looking crew, if I may say so. Young and old, men and women. Black and white. Uh, black and brand. white, hijabis, everything, uh, the whole works. Strong Bangladeshi presence, but a good mix of people and uh, a lot of experience there. Why is it, then, that in a traditional uh, Labour stronghold in the East End of London, you and George Galloway's people tell the same story, are afraid that the Tory might come through the middle between your votes and respects vote and take the seat. Well, the boundary changes uh, have taken away some very strong Labour wards. Uh, there are 17,000 new voters on the register this year. Um, there are a lot of very new, very smart properties along the River uh, Thames and around the docks. So there are a lot of uh, many more uh, wealthier people moving into the area. The Tory lead in the opinion polls means that they're in good shape. Uh, and as you say, George Galloway is uh, coming across from Bethel Green to challenge me in the Poplar and Limehouse Street, which um, it could very well take some votes for us. So the Tories see that this is the first chance they've had in 100 years of taking the seat. Um, and they're working very hard and uh, the candidate um, who was made redundant from his banking job last year has been working for the past nine months full time um, to get his uh, message across. But the East End historically has always been the poorest part of this great city but that's all changing with the centre of gravity moving east for the last 20 years and will continue to move east for the next 20 years with Canary Wharf, the new business district, all the new housing which Thames is going Gateway, up. All that stuff. Uh, the Thames Gateway development is uh, a huge driver for the area and East London's going to be the engine for the capital city for the next 20 to 40 years. And it's the, Olympic, the new West London. And the Olympics, no, it's not the new West <laughs> London. We're not, the, uh, we're not a reincarnation. We are um, a completely new innovation. And with the Olympics coming in 2012, we have the icing on the cake. We're going to be a showcase um, for the world to see what East London can do and what London can do, just as we were when the G20 came to Excel last year. Right, we've just emerged from Jim Fitzpatrick's uh, office in the Crisp Street Market. Uh, we're outside uh, uh, Maureen's Cockney Food Bar. Over 30 years of uh, uh, hot salt beef and pie and mash making, so it says on the board. And uh, I can reveal that uh, uh, that uh, Labour HQ of uh, uh, Mr Fitzpatrick's smells of fish, strongly of fish. Uh, it used to be a fishmonger, uh, they said uh, when I asked. We've got used to the smell. How long ago was it a fishmonger's? Oh, years and years ago. They've never been able to get rid of it. Excuse me, sir. We're, we're uh, asking people how they're going to vote in the election if they live in Poplar. Yes, I do. What are you, you going to uh, do? <clears throat> vote. I just think you're all as bad as one another, basically. But do you normally vote or not? Don't oh, you? yeah, always. Yeah. I always vote for Jim, Jim Fitzpatrick, because... Uh, if ever I've had a problem, Jim's never ever let me down. He's always dealt with stuff properly. He's a good constituency member, isn't he? Okay, good well, that helps. Member, yeah. 
Well, we've tracked uh, Dan Timarch, the Conservative candidate. Uh, he's canvassing, or rather delivering leaflets, in the Robin Hood Gardens estate, which uh, some listeners may remember uh, as being a uh, controversy a few years ago. Some people wanted to knock it down, other people wanted to list it. It looks fine on a sunny day, but I can see difficulties uh, on, on bad days. Uh, uh, Mr Archer fought the seat here before, in 2005, when the boundaries are different. He's here with some young canvassers who are... Uh, uh, handing out leaflets with him or sticking them through letterboxes. Uh, let's ask him how he sees the, uh, the seat developing, how the contest has changed since 2005. It's changed for a number of reasons, um, not least the fact there's now a boundary change, so it makes it much more marginal. What are the issues here? What do people complain about or praise you about? The top three issues, it's crime and social behaviour, which affects everyone, whether you're on a rich estate or one of the sink estates. Uh, it's housing and the, just the chronic lack of affordable social housing. People on the waiting list. 24,000 people on the housing waiting list in Tower Hamlets. Um, and thirdly, it's education. People aren't getting the education they need in order to be able to compete and get the jobs that they ought to be able to get at places like Canary Wharf. You're always struck when you come around here. You see great iconic new buildings, the Canary Wharf Tower. You see the O2 Centre, which used to be the Millennium Dome. And over to the north, you see the makings of the Olympic buildings. And then behind us, the great towers of the City of London. And yet you also have enormous pockets of uh, deprivation. Are people comfortable about this contrast? Or are they just used to it in the East End? I think they're used to it to a certain extent in the East End. Um, but I think what's important is being able to see progress being made. And I'm afraid under Labour for the past 13 years, um, we've gone backwards in many respects. What you're saying is all the things I've just listed were done by John Major and Margaret Thatcher, is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm saying mm. that just the gap between rich and poor has got wider under Labour. And some of the things I guess that you'd normally assume a Labour government would do, mm. like try and actually kind of eradicate health inequality, try and eradicate poverty, they've just not done. We're asking people if they vote in the election in Poplar. Do you, do you vote? Yeah. What are you going to do? Mm. Vote. Uh, who for? I don't know. No, you haven't made up your mind? Now, um, uh, we had two young women in hijabs there, uh, big smiles, but not willing to uh, say how they're going to vote. Rather shy, I thought. Do you know who the main candidates are in Poplar? Um, no. <laughs> There's Fitzpatrick. That's yeah. right, well done. You've got one of them. That's the Labour candidate. His office is over behind us. And, of course, George Galloway. George Galloway. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. You look like him. I look like him. He'll be alarmed to hear that. Uh, and of those two, is it likely to be one of those two, do you think? Uh, most probably. Most yeah. probably. I'm not sure about the Liberal Democrats. Uh, I don't know who's... T- yeah, it's most probably going to be one of them too. Well, we both live in Poplar and, yeah. What do you normally vote? Labour. And will you vote Labour this time? Yeah, probably. Right. Labour loyalist, if I can put it yeah. that way. That's right. And that's the same as you, madam? I'm not voting. Do you normally not vote? Have you got fed up with them all? Fed up with a lot of them. We're asking people whether they live in Poplar and whether they're going to vote Born in the election. Born and bred here. Born and bred. Must have seen a lot of changes. I have. Not for the best. Any of them for the best? Not really. Because when I was young, <laughs> uh, I'm turned 80, went to school around here. I worked in the city for the Port of London Authority, actually. Yeah. But... Um, the changes I've seen, when we even 25 years ago, me and my husband could go out, we could walk across here three o'clock in the morning, but we don't want to go out now. There's not many Poplarites left now because they've moved away. Okay, and you're one of them. Do you, do you normally vote in elections? Oh yes, I never miss a vote ever. Uh, that's good to hear. Never. And what, what do you vote? Well, that's my. 
It's different to what it was when George Lansbury was alive. Oh, I think I'm that following you there. You remember George Lansbury in person, of do course, you? Of course, when we... Well, yeah. I remember... Former, Gu- former leader of the Labour Party, great local hero. I remember standing up at Poplar Town Hall, which is not now, in Bow Road, and singing just a song at twilight... He stood there and sang the whole Did thing. Did he have a good voice? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a good story. Um, we went into uh, Cabot Place South, part of the Great Canary Wharf Tower, to try and catch a few bankers to talk to about the election. But, of course, we were picked up by security. You always are in these places. Go into the shopping mall, he said. Uh, so here we are. It's a mile or so from uh, the Crisp Street Market, but it could be a thousand miles. We're among the big retail chains. Austin Reed, I can see. Jones the Bootmaker, Thomas Pink, Gap for Kids. Um, This is a real shopping emporium for people with money. And uh, we're um, hoping to find bankers here, but I suspect we'll be stopped by security too. Uh, In the uh, shopping malls all over Britain, uh, you find the same problem. Security pounces on you, even when you're not doing any harm. Do you have a vote in this country? I can't tell. Uh, yes, I do, but uh, more my, my main concern is to get people uh, off their backsides to actually go and vote. I think not enough participation is a problem. It certainly is. Do you think these TV debates have made it better? Um, a little bit. I think that we're still struggling to find the detail behind the policies. That's true. And the per- uh, emphasis, too much emphasis on personality, is that what you're suggesting? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's, there's enough detail. What do you normally vote? Um, it's been a mixture, actually. Okay. I live in Kent. So. Oh, well, uh, well we can't ask you about George Galloway and Jim Fitzpatrick then, but <laughs> do you think and do your colleagues think financial services are being sort of unfairly targeted in this election as a sort of scapegoat for the country's problems? Uh, I think there's mixed responses, to be honest. Um, some people um, really don't like what they've seen in the financial services. Um, uh, other people think it's a little bit over the top and that uh, regulation should be more clearly uh, uh, thought out, I think. What do you think? Um, I think there is uh, a case for regulation, certainly. Um, It upsets me that so much money was pumped into the financial services to support it without um, government regulation at the same time. Yes, hello. Hello, can I ask what we're doing? We are interviewing people uh, for the Guardian's uh, uh, daily election podcast about Poplar because this is a neighbourhood which has got, as you know, uh, labour tradition, but it's got the wharf and all. It's fascinating. The contrast between here and a mile or so away. Wow, well, I guess you work here, so I guess you know it all. If I can just ask you, though, you'll need to get a permit. Yeah, oh, we won't do that. We'll get off the premises. I didn't think we... I thought we were on a public pavement here. No, what it is, although there is public access, it is actually the whole estate is private. Gosh. The whole estate, you know, all the whole areas... What about the road? Where the cars are going. I'm not trying to be tricky with you here. What about the road? I'm not going yeah. to interview people in yeah. the road, but who does that belong to? Technically, it belongs to the Canary Wharf, but again, there is vehicle access and buses come through the wharf. Okay, you heard all that. We're giving up now. We're off to find George Galloway. Well, we found George Galloway sitting in his car. He's got problems with his big red bus. Basically, I go around the constituency, get off, meet people in the streets. It's a place where most of the voters are on the streets much of the time. Because of the chronic overcrowding in the houses, we've got the biggest overcrowding housing list in the country. We've got the longest council house waiting list in the country. Hence, at least, it's an ill wind and all that. Uh, the voters are usually outside. 
Okay. Now we're in uh, uh, the top end of Brick Lane, very different from Poplar and Limehouse in the, in the feel of it. This is the respect office uh, for both constituencies. You were the member here in Bethnal Green and Bow last time. If I understand it right, you said you'd stand as an MP only once. Uh, and by not standing again, you fulfilled that side of it, but you decided to move next door. Yes, and I said that I wanted to see a Bengali in Parliament because it's the biggest minority group in the country that doesn't currently or, or ever uh, have an MP. Uh, and uh, that's worked because all the parties have chosen Bengalis. Now, uh, Poplar and Limehouse, uh, you're up against uh, uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, local ex-fireman, well bedded in in some respects. Uh, tell us why you think uh, you can beat him, or alternatively, why you both, both might knock each other out and let the Tory in. Well, he's not local, of course. He's Scottish, uh, just like me. So you've got two Scotsmen fighting for the hearts of the people of Poplar and Limehouse. One standing in the tradition of Keir Hardy and the other standing in the tradition of, of Ramsay MacDonald. And that's really the division between new Labour and old Labour. We are the ghosts of Labour's past and we're standing for the things that Labour used to stand for. And there's not been a Tory MP in the East End since they used to put children up chimneys and uh, deny women and working men the vote. And I don't think there's going to be one now. Some of your colleagues have said to me <coughs> that there might be if uh, you and uh, Jim Fitz uh, take a split each other's votes. Uh, and there are you know, plenty of bankers and uh, financial services workers living down in the Isle of Dogs these days. That's not so, is it? Well, if we split them equally, it would be so. But uh, we're on track, I think, to take a massive proportion of... Uh, certainly the Muslim voters in the constituency from Jim Fitzpatrick and we're fighting hard for the Guardian reading, question time watching, progressive uh, non-Muslim people in the borough and also the smattering, though quite a widespread smattering of former printers that I used to stand with down at Wapping in the old Which days. Which is in the constituency, isn't yes, it? The, the yes. Rupert Murdoch's printing plant. Indeed, yeah. uh, where I was kicked by a horse and taken away in an ambulance. Every Saturday night I used to stand there during the great and epic uh, battle. You remember, yeah. you bump into printers who remember that, do I you? do, yes. And they say we'll vote for you on the strength of that? Yes. Okay. Uh, there's a smattering of dockers as well, uh, people with a trade union uh, consciousness. So that's the three constituencies we're aiming at. The educated, progressive, middle class, if you like, the uh, militant residue of the constituency's former industrial and waterside uh, constituency, and the 40% of the voters who are Muslims of Somali and Bengali extraction. Of course, while we've been in the East End, the national campaign rolls on. Uh, here's Andy Sparrow giving us a quick update on what we missed between Dave and Gordon and Nick. Well, Mike, it's been a busy morning. Last week there were lots of complaints about the parties not holding press conferences, and today we had three before lunchtime already. Nick Clegg was in Edinburgh. There he was reiterating the, the sort of points he was making in interviews yesterday when he said that a deal on PR would be a um, precondition for any deal with the Lib Dems in a, in a hung parliament. And he also repeated the point that he uh, made about not propping up Labour if Gordon Brown were to come third in terms of share of the 
the vote. There's a sort of funny, fusty old uh, convention in the British political system which says that the Prime Minister of the day can carry on as Prime Minister if there's an inconclusive outcome in a general election campaign. If if it emerges that Labour uh, actually crashes to third place in terms of the number of votes won at the general election, then it would seem, I think, to many people, pretty unfair that uh, nonetheless a, a Labour Prime Minister would carry on in number 10. Subsequently, when he was asked what might happen if Labour came second in terms of share of the votes, he was a, a bit more evasive o- on that. Labour and the, the, the Conservative Party have, have both been trying to grab back some of these Lib Dem voters. David Cameron did a progressive conservatism press conference this morning where he made a great thing about the libertarian policies that the Conservatives are putting view, their, their green policies. He published a quality of life environment and he said that anyone who has progressive values hardwired into their DNA should consider voting Conservative. What we're saying today is if you care about the environment, if you care about civil liberties, if you want to get these changes is done, there's a modern Conservative Party there to help you get those changes done, and it's the only way you can guarantee it. And so you can vote for those things while avoiding the crazy amnesty, the soft policies on, on law and order, and the complete muddle and confusion on the economy that you've had from the Lib Dems in this election. And Labour, they adopted a, a slightly different tactic, but the strategy was the same. And they're trying to claw back votes too. And Douglas Alexander, who's holding a press conference with, with Ed Balls, said that the battleground is essentially 100 or so marginal seats where the Tories are fighting Labour. And in those seats, he said, uh, Labour felt that the the anti-Labour rhetoric that Nick Clegg was coming out was going to work to their advantage. That was Andy Sparrow with uh, today's news from Westminster. There's always a lot going on outside London, of course, and it doesn't get reported enough, so here is our Scottish correspondent, Severin Carroll, reporting from the highly marginal and swing seat of uh, Perthshire and North Perthshire, I think I've got that right, uh, which the Tories have to take if they're going to form a government. They always have to take it when they form a government, and it's their top target seat in Scotland. Tough territory for them these days. I'm with Pete Wishart, the SNP defending candidate for Perth and North Perthshire, walking through a working-class neighbourhood of Perth City itself. And Pete, you're saying that this kind of constituency actually traditionally might be seen in other cities as being a very strong Labour area, but actually there's a number of people here that might vote Labour in other circumstances, but here they vote for the SNP. Why is that the case? Well, I think that people now understand that the contest is between myself as the SNP candidate and the Conservatives. Traditionally, historically, Labour had an, op- had an opportunity to win this constituency, but with the new boundaries, I mean, that's no longer a realistic prospect. So more and more Labour voters are understanding that the only way the Conservatives could, can be beaten is to vote for the SNP. And I think what we're, what we're finding out in the streets just now is there's a real desire to keep the Conservatives out. And even like Labour members lending me their vote just to keep ensure that happens. And um, Labour vote seems to be crumbling here. I don't want you waking up with a, you know, a Tory member of Parliament on the, the 7th, 7th of May, and even if just lending me your vote to keep them out, you know. Lending me vote. Lend, if you're a Labour supporter, you know, that's fine, but this time round, just to make sure we keep the Tories out, lend me your vote, you know. So. Unfortunately, what happened to Labour in this little sorry? Well, Labour can't win, you know. They can't win. I mean, oh. it's just... Apparently, if you get more votes than you, they well, can win. Well, they can. <laughs> Nobody's expecting or anticipating that to happen, you know. I mean, last time they got 18% of the vote, you know. like so. We never expected three votes of snow in winter either. Well, you know, I mean, there, there could be a Labour... I mean, your judgment, sir. All I'm saying, <coughs> the evidence that we're seeing just now mm-hmm. is that Labour can't win this unless there's a 
massive groundswell of support for. They don't even stand councillors in the rural area. You know, they've given up there. And Gordon Brown has as much as said, you know, like, you know, like vote tactically to keep the Tories out. You know, because in seats like this, you know, what I mean. So you want me to vote tactically? I well. I, I can't decide how you're going to vote, but I would like you to vote tactically. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Why would that be? Well, you just know, to keep the Tories out. <laughs> well, if you, if you, this is politics we're talking here, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I mean, if it's, it's your choice. All I'm saying is, if you, if you do vote for the Labour candidate, there's a good chance that you could end up with a Tory member of Parliament. Now, if that's what good you want forbid. to see, you know, I mean, if you want that eventually to happen, that's your choice. So you have the facing a Tory onslaught. The Tories think they need a 1.6% swing to take the seat from you, and you think you're going to increase the SNP vote. I, I think there's no, there's no doubt whatsoever we'll increase the SNP vote here. Last time I won this constituency, when we got 18% of the national vote, we are anything between 25 and 32% of the national vote. The Conservatives are nowhere near that. They have to be ahead of me in the national po national poll to, to even start to think about winning this constituency. I've seen no evidence at all of any trend towards the Conservatives. There's, there's no SNP. P supporters standing and saying, I'm not going to vote for you anymore, I fancy that David Cameron. That, that just isn't happening and it's not a feature of this constituency. Um, we've seen the Labour vote coming towards us, our vote holding up. I accept the Tory vote might be strengthened and a bit more vigorous this time around, but they're getting nobody switching to them. So I'm with Peter Lyburn, the uh, Conservative candidate for Perth and North Perthshire. And we're just walking through a village on the banks of Loch Tay in the Scottish Highlands. So, Peter, you're saying that part of the narrative for you is that the there are voters here that back the Scottish National Party in the past, but now think that, that the Gordon Brown and Labour's policies are such they really want to join uh, vote for a party that has some chance of keeping the Labour Party out of power. Is that correct? Sure. Well, we have a, there's a block of voters here that will always you know vote Conservative. Um, there's also a bloc that will always vote for the Nationalists, but you know, we lost um, a chunk of people in 1997 who you know, deserted the party and couldn't bring themselves to vote the whole hog um, and to go all the way and vote Labour, and they stopped off halfway at the Scottish Nationalists. And what we're trying to get across to people is that you know, the Scottish Nationalists cannot change the government in this British election, and you know, a lot of people are fed up with Labour in this constituency. And, what we've got to get back to these people, these tartan Tories, if you like, that now is the time for you to come home, come back to the Conservatives and help us change the government in this British... Of course it matters, of course it matters, but I think what I would, what I would feel is that is it going to make a huge amount of difference? I mean, I know you're going to say yes, but is it going to make a huge amount of difference? If, if, if um, you were to be in power... We've got, we've got the ideas and we've got the energy to get on and try and make... You know, this election is about what you want the country to be for the next 10 years. That was Severin Carroll in Perthshire. Well, we're sitting in a nice little park uh, in Poplar. Uh, we've seen all sorts of things today uh, and both sides of the, of the East End. Uh, evidence of grinding poverty and evidence of renewal and rebirth and lots of good things going on and lots of good social housing and private housing and the great Canary Wharf Towers and the O2 Arena, formerly the Millennium Dome and over to the north, the uh, uh, rising towers of the Olympic Stadium. Uh, lots of life, lots of hope, lots of bustle in the East End, but tricky. We've also spoken to the three main candidates. Who's going to win? Well, normally around here you'd say without hesitation. Uh, Labour, of course, you'd bet your pension on it. But not this time. I still think Jim Fitzpatrick Patrick will probably squeak home, but boy, I wouldn't bet more than a fiver either way. Uh, so like a lot of 
contests in this extraordinary 2010 election. We'll just have to see what happens on May the 6th. Uh, this is Mike White signing off for Guardian a Daily Election Podcast. Uh, hope you're with us again tomorrow. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.